1: With Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Book in downtown Las Vegas, Scott Seidenberg here with you. It is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can follow along on Twitter at Scott's On air and at VSIN Live. Let's get chalky here on this Wednesday. We. Did the LeBron James, dipped our hands in the chalk, threw it up in the air as we went with all three favorites in the three college football bowl games that took place on this day. And all three favorites won, and all three favorites covered. The chalky parlay comes through for us here on this Wednesday. It started with Maryland and Virginia Tech in the pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium. Virginia Tech absolutely decimated. By COVID, opt outs, injuries, no coach, all this stuff. Maryland, meanwhile, pumped up to play in this game. Vatek did wear the Yankee NY on their helmets. Good fashion statement. Maryland blew them out. They, Virginia Tech didn't stand a chance in this game. 54 10, the final score there. Uh, Talia Tungavailoa to his little brother, 265 passing yards and two touchdowns. He also rushed. For 42 yards. Maryland dominated. They covered. They win going away. Then in the afternoon game, it was the Cheez It Bowl between Clemson and Iowa State. A defensive battle between these two teams. TJ Uyongalele threw for just 187 yards and an interception, no touchdowns. Will Shipley, though, did rush for a score. And, you know, Clemson did enough to win this game. They got a defensive touchdown on an interception return. They took a 20-3 to lead before Iowa State made it interesting. 20-13, to fourth quarter, plenty of time for them to tie the game, but the Clemson defense won out, and Clemson wins 20-13. to They covered the spread for Brock Purdy, 23 of 39, passing 204 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. And how about this for Clemson? As bad as they were this season, as down as everyone was on them this season. They won 10 games. They had a 10 win season. You don't look at Clemson this year and think that they won 10 games because they had their streak snapped of making it to the college football playoff. And they did not play for an ACC title. But they still won 10 games. Just a tremendous season for Clemson and for Dabo Swinney to overcome the adversity of not having the best season, not having the, the best players, and they still won 10 games. So it says a lot about his ability to coach that they did that with this team. And then the nightcap, the game that I was looking forward to the most, the one that I had the most on as the, my official college football bowl selection, Oklahoma led by Bob Stoops returning to help the program during this time of transition as Lincoln Riley is gone and Brent Venables is coming in. He coached them during this bowl game. Uh, Just a one-and-done deal here for Stoops, and uh, Oklahoma played really well. Uh, Oregon was a team that was decimated by the opt-outs and whatnot. Kayvon Thibodeau not playing their best player. Uh, They had receivers that were missing defense. They had a bunch of guys missing and Oklahoma had guys missing on defense as well. No Nick Benito in this one. uh, No Asamoah in this one. So two of their best defensive players did not play, but Caleb Williams did play 21 of 27 passing for 242 yards and three touchdowns. He rushed for 34 yards as well. Kennedy Brooks had a monster game. 14 carries 142 yards and three touchdowns touchdowns for Kennedy Brooks as uh, Oklahoma wins 47-32. And uh, despite, uh, you know, a valiant effort by Oregon in that third quarter, Oklahoma had a big enough lead and kept scoring to hold them off and win and cover. The game closed at seven. I got it in at six and a half, but they closed at seven, and 47-32, your final score. It actually should have been more because there was a play early on in this game. First of all, Oregon missed the extra point in the first uh, quarter, but then Caleb Williams threw a touchdown pass that actually got called back because the receiver's helmet was ripped off his head. There was a face mask penalty, and they got the 15 yards added on, but the receiver stayed up and ran for the touchdown, but it got called back because in college football, the rule is once a player's helmet is off, Play is blown dead, and so that's uh, where it was um, from from that point. But it should have been uh, seven instead of the eventual three that they did get on that drive. So a clean sweep, three and zero for us here on the look ahead. Uh, five and one in our last two days here in the college football games, and we got a bunch more coming up here on Thursday as we inch closer and closer to the college football playoff, which will take place on Friday. Coming up a little bit, we'll be joined by our very own Adam Burke from uh, v Also, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. We'll talk plenty about the college football playoff. Here are the bowl games for Thursday. It'll start bright and early, 11.30 a.m. Eastern time kickoff. South Carolina, North Carolina in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. That one being played in Charlotte. Honestly, you couldn't uh, draw up a better matchup here and, and just a better you know, situation for it, like a better place for it. North Carolina versus South Carolina in Charlotte. That's, that's the, uh, come on. It's an incredible matchup. Uh, Tennessee takes on Purdue in Nashville, the Music City Bowl. Uh, By the way, North Carolina is a 10-point favorite over South Carolina, total of 57. Uh, Tennessee, Purdue, Tennessee is laying six and a half in the Music City Bowl in Nashville. At 7 o'clock Eastern time, it is the Peach Bowl. A big bowl game in Atlanta between Michigan State and Pittsburgh. The Spartans are laying three points. Pittsburgh playing this one without their star quarterback, Kenny Pickett. Michigan State playing this one, of course, without their star running back, uh, Kenneth Walker, who was a Heisman finalist. It's just an incredible season from Kenneth Walker. So no Kenneth Walker, no Kenny Pickett. Michigan State. And Pittsburgh in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. And then uh, the nightcap, which I believe kicks off at 10.30 Eastern time. So a real late game right here in Las Vegas. The Las Vegas Bowl between Wisconsin and Arizona State. Wisconsin is laying six. And Arizona State is dealing with a ton of missing players. I mean, you want to talk about a team that is... uh, Dealing with issues here. They got a ton of key offensive players missing. You throw that in with the Wisconsin defense. and It might be difficult to see Arizona State scoring in this game. So the Badgers laying six here at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Four bowl games on this Thursday. Do we go with another chalky parlay? It's enticing because... I really do like the favorites. And favorites have been dominating straight up as of late. If you just look in the past, I don't know, 15, 16 bowl games, it's been like 13 wins for the favorites. Like, just go back to today. So today was 3-0 for the favorites. Yesterday was 3-1 and for the favorites. So right there, you're at 6-1 for the favorites straight up. Going back to Monday, a win for the favorite. That's seven and one. Georgia State now eight and one. UCF covered. So that's eight and two. Miami covered eight and three. But well, actually, Miami was a favorite, so that's nine and two. Army ten and two. So ten and two in the last twelve bowl games for the favorites. Is that that's a, that's a pretty good sample size there? Uh, ten out of the last twelve, and we can even go back further because I do think it's thirteen out of sixteen is what I saw but the favorites winning straight up seems to be the way to go here in bowl season. Uh, I do think North Carolina wins this game. The fact that Sam Howell's playing means a lot. Uh, I do think that they're going to throw the ball all over this uh, South Carolina team. I just don't see South Carolina being able to score, even though North Carolina's defense is not good, but can South Carolina score enough to keep pace? because I do believe North Carolina is a team that should be able to score on you know, every somewhat possession. And then you look, plus just look at the SEC. The SEC has had a bad bowl season so far, 0-4 straight up in the SEC, which is ironic because when it's all said and done, like after Friday, we could have the two best teams in the SEC playing in the national championship game. So the SEC right now be, might be 0-4 in bowl games, They could have the two teams in the national title game, though. So, North Carolina, I do like them to win. 10 is a high line. They should probably cover, though. Tennessee and Purdue, I like Tennessee's offense in this game. Uh, And then Michigan State, I love them over Pitt without Kenny Pickett. And Wisconsin, I like them over Arizona State. I might have to go with another chalky parlay. Maybe it's a money line, and you lower your winnings a little bit. But uh, we'll see. We'll come up with the uh, parlay. We'll come up with the play here for Thursday and have some fun with that. But, hey, we stayed chalky here on Wednesday, and it came through. We might have to be chalky again coming up on Thursday. We're going to do plenty on the college football playoff coming up on Friday. As I mentioned, Adam Burke, our very own here at v will join us, and Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com will break down each game of the college football playoff uh, at length and find out exactly what Michigan has to do to pull off the upset, what Cincinnati has to do to pull off the upset. Will these games go over or under the posted total? Lots to dissect as we are getting closer and closer to the college football playoff. I'm Scott Sidenberg. You can hit me up on Twitter at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. I I welcome in all of your, you know, comments and uh, we'll read some of them on the air and uh, we're going to continue to pick winners. That's what we do here on the look ahead, right here on VSIN, the sports betting network.
0: If you dare.
1: Look ahead on v the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of The Look Ahead is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zin. So head on over to Zin.com find to locate a store near you. That's zy find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on Vsin the sports betting network. We'll continue the college bowl discussion right now with our very own Adam Burke. You read him on vsin.com on the pro, uh, point spread weekly, as well as your Burke's betting blurbs in your daily subscriber emails. Uh, Adam bowl season has been a lot of fun. I've been enjoying it. Uh, especially with the chalky wins today. How have you been enjoying bowl season so far?
2: Yeah, it's been a little bit more fun over the last few days here where I've uh, picked up after a little bit of a slow start to the bowl season. But obviously, so many moving parts here. You've got COVID, you've got opt-outs, you've got a lot of news breaking right before the game. And then, of course, you know, in a situation like the first bowl game tomorrow, the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, there's some reports that South Carolina has some COVID cases We don't know who, but the line kind of moving a little bit just based on that speculation. So, you know, it's been a a challenging bowl season to be sure. But, yeah, you know, I have been doing a little bit better of late here.
1: Yeah, uh, when it comes to picking the spots here, uh, obviously, you know, when you find out an hour before kickoff that there are certain players that aren't going to play in the game, it does uh, concern you. But in terms of knowing who's available and not available based on, you know, opt-outs or injuries or even COVID concerns early on, Are there spots where you can take advantage here moving forward?
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, obviously, you've got a lot of significant opt-outs. For example, we saw several opt-outs from Virginia Tech in their bowl game, and they wound up getting trucked by Maryland, and it was really never a game at any point in time. And you can kind of use some of those opt-outs to maybe think about the engagement level of the team as a whole, the motivation level of the entire program. I think some people questioning Ohio State's motivation with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson opting out, also Petit Freer, their left tackle, another guy who's very important to them, Haskell Garrett, a very important guy in the interior of that defensive line. So you start thinking about some of those things: Kenny Pickett, uh, Kenneth White III. You know all these guys that you know opt out of the bowl game. Is it sort of indicative of where the team's mindset is, or is it just those individuals looking out for themselves? Which has become a growing trend here in the bowl season over the last several years. You mentioned that Ohio State Utah game. Let me just tell you something. I, I I bet Utah
1: money line before the news came out, and I absolutely love it. Like even with even before knowing this news, I don't know if you've read the story or not. First off, Ohio State had to give back over seven thousand tickets to this game because they couldn't sell them. Meanwhile, the Utah Athletic Department announced last week that they had sold over thirty two thousand tickets to this game. It's the first Rose Bowl in program history. They're all making the drive from Utah. That stadium is going to be all
2: Utes fans. Yeah, it sure seems like it. I mean, look, I would also caution people that now that this line's come down with those Ohio State opt-outs, and in particular, Wilson and Olave, we're going to get to a point probably where Ohio State does end up having some value. Look, they still have a Heisman finalist in C.J. Stroud. They still have Jackson Smith and Jigba, who... There's a possibility that he may be one of the best slot receivers in the NFL in due time here. He's a very, very talented player, very, very good hands. You still have Travion Henderson. You still have an Ohio State program that recruits at an elite level. Utah does not recruit at an elite level. So, yeah, the Utes are more invested in this game, it would appear. But at the same time, this is a good opportunity for Ryan Day and the coaching staff to work in some of those four and five star guys that have been waiting patiently in the wings. So, yes, I do agree that Utah's fans and their program more jazzed up for this game, but also Ohio State's still remarkably talented, even without those two guys. So I think it's a situation where we may get to a point where there is a buy point on the Buckeyes if this line continues to go down. What do you think about the fact that Tennessee is
1: playing in Nashville here in the Music City Bowl tomorrow?
2: You know, look, obviously it's proximity to Knoxville is, is very important here. And we have seen this line kind of shaded in that direction with Tennessee, you know, a pretty big favorite, maybe a bigger favorite than they deserve to be. I will say I love Nashville, one of the great American cities. Mm-hmm. I've always had a blast when I've gone there. I would presume some Boilermaker fans do end up making the trip. Whether or not they can get tickets for the game is possibly a different story. Uh, but look, also with that being said, is Tennessee super excited for the Music City Bowl against a mid-tier, maybe even lower tier Big 10 team in Purdue? I don't know, especially to not go that far from home. So, I think that's kind of an interesting thing where yeah, they'll have the home crowd and they've got the shorter travel and and this and that, but also too, you know, is it really that exciting to go to Nashville and play in this game for Tennessee where maybe they'd rather face a better opponent? So, To me, I actually like the over in the game. I don't think there's a whole lot of defense between these two teams, and we have seen this total skyrocket. But as far as a side goes, I would have a little bit of a tough time laying the full six here with Tennessee. Michigan State playing without Kenneth Walker. Kenny Pickett not playing for Pitt, who's got the leg up here in this matchup. Yeah, my apologies. I think I said Kenneth White earlier. I did mean Kenneth Walker in that game for Michigan State. Look, at this point in time, Scott, now that the line is three, pretty much market-wide here, I kind of lean towards the Pitt side in this game. I don't think Michigan State is that great of a football team. I don't think their defense is all that good. Pitt, of course, missing not only Kenny Pickett, but also Mac, Mack, they're one of their top wide receivers here. But I think Pitt can run the football. I think Pitt's a better defensive team than they got credit for because Kenny Pickett stole all the headlines for them throughout the course of the season. I kind of think Pitt's an interesting underdog here in this one, where I don't think Michigan State can run and hide. And of course, too, the the absence of Walker really takes away from their running game, puts it in the hands of Thorne at quarterback. And I wasn't super impressed with him throughout the course of the season. So I actually think Pitt plus the three is is really not a bad play in this game. Here in Las Vegas, Wisconsin takes on a shorthanded
1: Arizona State team. Can the Badgers shut down the Sun Devils?
2: You know, what I think was really interesting about this one is that a lot of people thought Wisconsin would be shorthanded. There were some whispers about some COVID concerns within the program. They were a seven-point favorite. Came down to as low as five, five and a half before this line jumped back up a little bit. I actually like Wisconsin in this game, laying the six. I know it's a big number with a low total there of 41, but I don't see how Arizona State moves the football in this game. Their top running back, Rashad White, opted out of the game. I'm not impressed with Jaden Daniels. and the lack of progression for him over the last few years here for Arizona State. Only a 10-9 to touchdown interception ratio this season. It was going to be tough to run on Wisconsin's defense anyway, but now I think it's even more difficult for the Sun Devils to move the ball. I think Wisconsin just kind of wears them down physically in this game. So, may not start out all that pretty. Maybe you look for a second half play on the Badgers, but I do think they ultimately cover the six here. Let's get into the college football playoff. What's your early leans on Cincinnati, Alabama? Uh, well, with Cincinnati and Alabama, I, look, I don't want to take anything away from Cincinnati. They've had a you know a phenomenal run really over the last several years with Luke Fickle. They've only lost, I believe it's six or seven games over the last four seasons. With that being said, I mean, this is a huge step up in class to go from the AAC where they did have some hiccups, did have some struggles to take on an, a very highly motivated Alabama team. This isn't the Georgia team that they beat last, or that they played tough against in the bowl game last year. That was a Georgia team that had no interest in mm-hmm. being in that mm-hmm. bowl. Alabama very motivated here. I just think Alabama is too much for Cincinnati. I think they ultimately overwhelm them. The Bearcats seven for seventeen kicking field goals this year. They're going to have some empty red zone trips, and if you do that against Alabama, they will bury you. So I think the Crimson Tide ultimately cover this spread. Any feel on the total? No, nothing on the total for me. Obviously, the loss of John Mechie is a a big deal for Alabama's passing game. So maybe that takes away a little bit of their explosiveness. Maybe a lean towards the under, but just a a very, very minor lead. What about Georgia of Michigan? Well, this sickens me as an Ohio State fan, but (laughs) I I think Michigan is very, very live in this game. I think they could win the game. I love that they hired a 34-year-old defensive coordinator in Mike McDonald who came over from the Baltimore Ravens. So one Harbaugh helping the other you know they've really evolved at the coordinator spots with Josh Gaddis and McDonald now and they've sort of taken the status quo away from this program and have found a way to elevate it. I think they have a very good game plan on both offense and defense. I think Georgia's defense holds up just fine in this game, but I'm worried about Georgia's offense, which I know they had really gaudy yards per play numbers throughout the year, but you know look, they didn't play a lot of close games outside of the Clemson game. Every game they won was by 17 or more points. How does this offense perform if this is a close pressure cooker kind of game? I don't really have a lot of confidence in that. So I I do like Michigan plus the points here. As a Buckeyes fan, I'm going to hope they don't win the game, but it wouldn't (laughs) shock me if they did.
1: Adam, I appreciate the time and the insight as always. Great work on the uh, daily subscriber emails. Just love getting those in my inbox every single morning. Thanks, bud. Thanks, hey, Scott. Have a good one. There he is. Adam Burke, uh, our Vsin Sports Betting Analyst. You read him in Point Spread Weekly. Of course, vsin.com, And in your email every single morning, Burke's betting blurbs. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Uh, I have some thoughts on the college World playoff. And, and really, I, I agree with what Adam said to an extent but I'm going to make the case uh, why I think it's going to be an all SEC national championship game coming up next, right here on the Look Ahead, here on VSIN.
0: This is the Look Ahead on VSIN,
1: the sports betting network. Save 50% off a VSIN all access subscription for the rest of the football season with our big game special. Get access to our in-depth matchup analysis, trends, and picks for every game and sport on the schedule, including our exclusive betting split showing you where the money is going on every game. Sign up today and you'll also get our daily best bets emails, weekly betting guides, 24-7 video, plus our all-new College Bowl betting guide covering every bowl game for only $39 at vcin.com slash subscribe. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is The Look Ahead here on VCN, the sports betting network. When I take a look at the college football playoff games. Uh, I'm going to start with the Alabama-Cincinnati game. I do think that Cincinnati can stay in this game. But I don't think for long. Cincinnati has enough offense if they do the things that they're capable of doing, which is, uh, you know, Desmond Ritter getting involved in the running game uh, because he's certainly a big reason why, uh, you know, Ford has had such a great season. So if you get Desmond Ritter involved in the running game, I do think it takes the pressure off and and kind of maybe lets that option get into the minds of the defense, keeps things open here. I do think they could stay with Alabama for the first three quarters. What worries me is that Alabama pulls away in the fourth quarter. I can see this game being 21-20, you know, going into the fourth quarter. Like, we have a close game going into the fourth quarter. And my concern, or let's say 24-21, right? Alabama's got a, or Alabama's got a 24-21 lead. We'll give them that, okay? 24-21. I, I, my fear is that Alabama then pulls away in the fourth quarter and scores two touchdowns, and a 24-21 game going into the fourth winds up being a 38-21 game. That's my fear for this game. That's why I just can't pull the trigger on Cincinnati, and why I do believe Alabama will cover. Even without Mechie, there's so many playmakers on this team, and the way that... They're capable of spreading the ball around. I mean, there's, listen, Bryce Young, the reason why this kid is the Heisman Trophy winner, he's thrown 43 touchdowns and only four interceptions this season. Against Georgia, the best defense in the country, he threw for 421 yards and three scores. I absolutely think that Bryce Young will be able to throw on this Cincinnati defense. Can Cincinnati either control a time of possession, keep the ball out of the Alabama offense's hands, or can they score enough to win a boat race? And I just don't know against Alabama. You know, thinking, just looking at, what Cincinnati was able to do this season. Against Notre Dame, they played really well defensively, okay? Notre Dame also didn't do much, or didn't get much, I should say, from the quarterbacks, right? You had all three of them play in that game. Uh, Pine, Jack Cohn, Buckner uh, running. Cincinnati really stopped the run well. Notre Dame only rushed for 84 yards in that game. I I just look at Cincinnati and I look at their style of play, the way that they have handled some adversity this season because they did have a couple of clunkers. You know, the performance against Tulsa was ugly. The the game against Navy, they should have lost. They really should have lost against Tulsa, but against Navy, they could have lost. Um, You know, they just weren't impressive until the end of the season where they really needed to be. The win over SMU was, that was a statement victory for them. You know, Desmond Ritter dropping back, taking advantage of a bad defense and just lighting them up. And then the game against Houston really swung on a defensive play. You know, that game was close. And they did to Houston what I think Alabama is going to do to Cincinnati. Keep in mind, this was a 14-13 game against Houston going into the second half. Cincinnati scores a touchdown to start the second half. And then they Intercept Clayton Toon. And they score a touchdown on the ensuing possession. So a 14-13 game turned into a 28-13 game. Just like that. That is my fear for Cincinnati in this game against Alabama. That they hang with them in the first half. They keep it close. There's a source, there's a sense of... Hey, we can pull this off, right? A little confidence going into the locker room. And the, and the TV crew talking about, oh, wow, well, Cincinnati could pull the upset here. We could have a, a group of five school going to the national championship game. Imagine that big, bad Alabama going down. And then Alabama puts together back to back possessions or quick scores like that. You know, it starts with a touchdown, then maybe a, a, a turnover or. An empty red zone possession, as Adam Burke talked about in our previous segment, Cincinnati's kicking game is not that strong, and there might be the pressure to go for it on fourth downs, much like I mean Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is an experienced coach and he crushed his team because of the decisions that he made early in that game against Alabama. Why? He felt the pressure. He felt the pressure. You can't kick field goals against Alabama. Right? Alabama's going to score on you. You have to score points. So, Ole Miss marches right down the field on the opening possession of the game, and they get to a fourth down, he goes for it. They don't get it. Alabama scores. Another fourth down situation, and we're not punting. We're going to stay aggressive because we got to score points on this drive. They don't get it. Alabama scores again. It's 14-0 before you can even blink. There might be some empty possessions for Cincinnati. Luke Fickle's done a tremendous job. But now you have to play against Alabama. This is not Houston. This is not SMU. This is not Notre Dame. This is Alabama. And so do you decide to be more aggressive instead of taking the points when your kicking game has been suspect? Do you decide to go for it on fourth down? And if Alabama's defense holds up on a couple of the fourth downs and Cincinnati has empty possessions and turns the football over, Alabama converts that into points that's how they cover this game. There's a reason why this spread is at 13 and a half. I like the story. I do. I, I, I hope for the best. I always root for dogs. But in this spot, I really believe that Alabama gets the job done. They are just too strong. I think they get the job done and I think they wind up covering the line and if you want to call it a backdoor cover because they're going to score in the fourth quarter call it what you will but I just think that it's more of Alabama pulling away in the fourth quarter. That's the way I see this game playing out. I see Cincinnati hanging with them but I see Cincinnati constantly trailing and being able to do enough to, to hang with Alabama. Okay. Okay. Maybe they're down 10-0, then it's 10-7, then it's 17-7, then it's 17-14, all right, then it's 24-14, all right, so now it's 24-17, like we're hanging around, we're hanging with them, but then those empty possessions come a-calling, and Alabama starts to pull away, and like I mentioned, maybe a 24-17 game becomes a a 38-17 game, and Alabama gets the cover, so, official play, college football playoff, semifinal. I got I got to go with Alabama. Maybe there's a play on the total though, as well. We'll get into that coming up a little bit later on, but coming up next, why Georgia will beat Michigan and we'll have an all SEC national championship game. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network.
2: In the Sports Betting
1: Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are city casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It is The Look at here on v the Sports Betting Network. Taking a look at the other semifinal game between Georgia and Michigan. Uh, the line has crept up, and it is sitting right now at Georgia laying 7.5. Ideally, I'd like to have Georgia at 6.5 in this spot. I think Georgia wins this football game. And this is not a knock on Michigan. Yes, Michigan already won their national championship game. I mean, beating Ohio State, that was just unbelievable. Winning the Big Ten title game, just what a season it's been. Which is why I do believe that, like, Jim Harbaugh could leave and take an NFL job like the Raiders or maybe the Bears because he's got nothing left to accomplish. Yeah, national championship would be nice, but he accomplished what he set out to. He finally got got over the hump. He finally beat Ohio State. He finally won a Big Ten title. That's why I think he's gone. Anyway. How does Georgia win this game? Or what does Georgia try to do in this game? I think that Georgia would, better yet, let me say this. It's going, it'll be a mistake if Georgia tries to do what Alabama did. Alabama was able to throw all over the Georgia defense. And that's just because it's Alabama and it's Bryce Young. I don't think Michigan is going to have the same success. Cade McNamara is not Bryce Young. And the Michigan offense is not the Alabama offense. Michigan's strength is their rushing attack. That's how they have to go at this game. Hassan Haskins has had a tremendous season this Georgia defense is impossible to run on. Yes, Alabama did their thing. But besides Florida, nobody else had success on the ground, and Florida didn't even have that much success on the ground. I think that Georgia's defense returns to form and looks like the team that they were prior to the SEC championship game which is the most dominant defense in college football. If Michigan tries to spread them out and tries to beat them through the air and throw all over them, maybe they'll make a big play or two, but I also think they'll they'll turn the football over. And if they turn the football over, they don't win this game. You see Stetson Bennett and this Georgia offense, they're not gonna blow you away with a lot of big plays. They'll be methodical, but they'll be efficient. And they will score points on every drive. Sometimes it'll have to be field goals. Other times, it's going to be touchdowns. Stetson Bennett, not going to turn the football over. You know, people want to talk about the performance against Alabama. Stetson Bennett against Alabama You know, people want to knock him for the interceptions. Okay. He still threw for 340 yards and three touchdowns against Alabama. Ah, That's a pretty good performance. He's going to be able to make plays here against Michigan. Throw in the fact that George Pickens returned to this team has had an extra month to get ready for this game And he's going to have a real impact on this offense. Brock Bowers, the tight end. Another deadly weapon in the receiving game for Georgia. And they should be able to run the football. Ultimately, I think Michigan has a chance to keep this close. I would prefer the line being six and a half instead of seven and a half. But I think that this, much like the Alabama game against Cincinnati, comes down to the fourth quarter. And whereas I think Alabama pulls away and winds up winning by 17 to 20 points and covers their heavy line easily, I don't think that Georgia pulls away, but I think Georgia, you know, kicks a field goal late to go up by 10. And they win this game 31 21. Like, that's the type of game I see it being. Like I, or, or, you know, I don't, I, that's, I think Georgia will be up seven with four minutes left. And they get the touchdown, or the, excuse me, they get the field goal to make it a two possession game. And then Michigan's just, you know, trying to move the ball down the field, see if they can score and get an onside kick and then everyone that's backing Georgia minus the seven and a half is just hoping that Michigan doesn't kick the field goal or they don't score a meaningless touchdown and backdoor the cover. So it may sound chalky, but these are the two best teams in college football. It's Georgia, it's Alabama. It's been there all season. With all due respect to Michigan, they're not on this level. They've had a great season. And the win against Ohio State was incredible. And dominating the Big Ten championship game like they did, kudos. But let's not forget the loss to Michigan State. And let's just acknowledge that what Alabama did in the SEC championship game, kind of an outlier. I expect Georgia's defense to look like the Georgia defense that we saw before that game. And I think that they'll kick a field goal or score a touchdown, score something late in the game to pull away, get the cover. It won't be a blowout. It's not going to be, you know, this this dominating performance. I think this is going to be a tough game, a physical game. It'll be low scoring. This is probably going to be like a 13-10 first half. And then 23-20, you know, with just, I don't know, a couple minutes left, and Georgia scores to pull out the cover. 30-20 final. You know, that that's the way I see it coming down. So that's the type of game I see this thing playing out. Like I said, maybe like a 13-10 first half, and then a 30-20 finish, or, you know, I don't know, 30, uh, 28 21, that's not a cover. 28-20 is a cover. How about a 21-20 game and then a late touchdown for Georgia makes it 28-21? That's the type of thing, that's the type of game I see this playing out. I'm going with both Alabama and Georgia to win and face each other in the national championship game. As far as the totals, it's low, in my opinion, for Georgia, but I do think it will be low scoring. However, as I mentioned that I believe Georgia covers late, I think that tips the scales and pushes the game over. The total right now is 45 and a half. And if we get the game that I'm thinking that we're going to get, and let's say it's that 28-20 final score, it's 48, that's an over. Like I think we're going to get an under until Georgia scores to cover late. Whether it's the field goal or the touchdown. You know, like we're going to have, it could be uh, 24-20, and then, you know, Georgia wins by seven, 27-20 and 47 hits. Or more likely, like I said, it could be, uh, uh, you know, 31-21 final, something like that. I do think we get over in this Georgia-Michigan game. It's not going to be an easy over. You're not going to be sitting here with uh, 30-somewhat points scored in the first half and thinking, this is a breeze. We're definitely going over the total. I think it's going to be right around that 42 mark, 43, 44. We might even be at 45, and then a late score tips the scales, and we go over. For Alabama-Cincinnati, the only reason why I'm going to go over is because I think that the late scores that push Alabama to cover is also going to push the over. And because I think the score might wind up being, you know, 30, like I said, 38-17, you know, 42-21, something like that, where Alabama uh, scores a couple of touchdowns in the fourth quarter and pulls away, I think Cincinnati's capable of scoring into the 20s and keeping pace with Alabama for the first three quarters but then Bama scores 10 points, 14 points in the fourth quarter to get into the high 30s, maybe in, into the 40s. So uh, I think I'll take the favorites and the overs for the college football playoff. Wouldn't that be a fun way to ring in the new year? I'm Scott Sidermore. Coming up next, we'll get into the NBA with our good buddy James Alvarino. This is the look ahead here on VC. This is VC.
0: This is beast. This is beast. if you dare.